let you know that. That's all on Facebook. But also on this 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 idea of um oh and that at the living room worship. I'm sure I've had a cold all week, so my throat my my uh, voice is almost um gone. I'm usually like what five times louder than this. So, <clears throat> but um thank you, daughter. But I want I want to I want you to like check yourself and think about how you just went and imparted something to someone. Did you really believe? That you could release them from their sin and shame in Jesus' name. So when we do that, we don't go up there. It's not humble to go and say, in Jesus' name, or something in our embrace that's from sin. And there's something in our words and something in our hug and something in our embrace that's meant to break those things off of us. We might need to do it a thousand times. But it's a lot better than saying, go to a psychiatrist, go to a shrink, go get on a pill, go do this, go do that. You know, get into a Netflix hole or drink too much every night. You know, and we're okay with all of that, but there's, there's something that we are empowered to do that we miss out on. And we argue about a lot of stuff in Christianity, and we miss some of the basic stuff to be able to look at somebody and say, I release you from this, I impart this to you. And we use that scripture a, a little bit at the beginning of this, of this message. But we're allowed to impart righteousness, peace, and joy to people. You know, I've said this before, but you've been in a room, right, a business meeting, and everybody's chatting and talking, and somebody comes in, and all of a sudden, everybody's miserable. That person brought in the opposite of the kingdom of heaven. Somebody comes in, and all of a sudden, it feels perverted. It feels like, like there's, there's a race thing that was brought in, or there's a sexism thing that's brought in, or there's a moral issue that brought in. We know all that happens on, on the wrong end of things, on the wrong kingdom of man. The kingdom of this world, but we forget that we're empowered, we're given permission and the power to bring in the opposite spirit. We, and we don't, we, don't, we don't like have to read the Bible, we just have to show up because I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit and he resides within me. There's a habitation happening. And I have to, and he's not, we're, we're waiting on him often, him permission, he's wanting permission. He's waiting for our permission. He's not, we're, we're waiting on him off to do something. He's like, I'm ready. You, I'm ready. You just need to reach out and stretch out your hand while you're still sick, while you're still miserable. And declare, uh, just like the man with the withered hand had to, he didn't say stretch forth your clean hand, stretch forth your healed hand. He said stretch forth your withered hand. And so we have to think, we, we and, and I'll share a little bit about that today. But, but on that, so when we do we, the activation that we've been doing um, last year and this year, uh, we're, we're to get better at that. We're to be unafraid. We don't, we don't come to church to hide. Unless you're a visitor. I know it's really hard, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I know that can be hard. But for us, we want to be people of the kingdom, which means we come together with a gift. And we come with, we come with wanting to impart something to somebody. Uh, and, and we do want tithes and offerings and all of those things. But, but that's the least of it. But that's still an important part. But we want you to be engaged in, um, in, your, in your ministry of the kingdom of God. <clears throat> it's funny, Herman walked in and he uh, uh, gave me a, a word here. It's, it's a clever word too. I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's, like, it's like a preaching word. And we, you know, that first song, it really applies to it. It says, the spirit of light, light, L-I-G-H-T, the Lord ignites great hidden things. Man, isn't that a great message? The Lord, light in you that need to be ignited, then you are listening to the devil. You're listening to the wrong thing, the wrong entity. You're listening to the wrong scriptural teaching. You need to listen to the right scriptural teaching that the Lord wants to ignite great hidden things in you, L-I-G-H-T, and keep searching for his light. I just, I just love that. And so down the road, you might hear a message that's, that's entitled, Keep Searching for His Light, and I probably won't give Herman credit for it because I'll file this away and keep it. No. 
Now, he's got a unique, he's got a unique way to write, so I'll remember his writing, I'm sure. <clears throat> so, we've been in this, this series on the kingdom of heaven, and uh, it's, uh, it, it's this idea that as in heaven, it's meant to be on earth. But more than just on earth over there, it's on earth in me and through me. So it's in me and through me to my wife, in me and through me to my, my daughter over here, and in and through me to my niece, uh, Lexus over here, and in me and through me to y'all, not just on Sunday morning, but as I live and breathe and go about my business. And that's a very important thing is we're not waiting, we're not over here praying that the kingdom happens over there in their marriage. We're praying that the kingdom happens here and that I'm then invited into their marriage. We're not waiting and saying, God, I hope that that person that I heard about is cancer-free or that the surgery goes well. We're actually asking the kingdom to rise up in here, and then we go visit them and we lay hands on them. We're wanting to be um, his answers. I mean, we know Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the light. Jesus is, is these things. But it all says that we are the light, that we are the answers to the world. We're, we're the ones that give the answer away. We're the conduits of that. And... Um, <clears throat> The problem is a lot of times in order for us to, to walk in that mentality or even to like think about that, that I might have a ministry, we have to get over a lot of uh, shame. We have to get over a lot of experiences that we've had that have been bad and negative. And we call that inner healing. And we believe that everybody needs inner healing at every area of their life, okay? And this idea that we're, we're we have the heaven, that we, we have heaven, we have we're conduits of the Holy Spirit of God. We're temples of the Holy Spirit and that we flow out. But most of us keep it here because we have, we have filters and barriers and things like that. And, and we have a desire and we want to overflow on somebody, but then we stop. Or we do it once, but then we don't do it the next week. And so there's some things we can do to, to, to clear us, uh, to bring real freedom in those areas, to open up that area uh, and bring us into a real freedom. The idea of real freedom is I don't get to go do whatever I want in a negative way, but I, but it, real freedom allows me to open up to be whoever God has created me to be in a very awesome way. So therefore, instead of like damaging my personality and, and freedom to go do what I'm delighted with, what my personality looks like, with who I really am. So I'm, I'm, I'm happier. I'm smiling more. I'm more truthful. I'm more whatever I've been over here in a wrong sense of the world and taking that freedom. I'm over here. I'm like, like, really happy that I'm discovering who I am in Christ. And so when we talk about freedom, we're talking about that kind of freedom. And, and we believe that we're body, soul, and spirit, okay? So there's bo- the bodies, obviously. The soul is your, would be your mind, your emotions, and your will, your chooser. Um, the, 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 not, not just the things you choose, but the, 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 the device by which you choose things. And those things are all, the, the, the body and the soul is meant to be submitted to your spirit, which is in complete, perfect relationship with God's spirit. My soul and my body isn't in complete, perfect union right now with the Holy Spirit, but my spirit is. So when he says that we're his kids and we're perfect and we're righteous and we're seating up in heaven with them already, I know it's like, bah, it's kind of odd. But what he's really saying is your spirit it's, there's so much security that I've already called you that you're up here. So, so we're supposed to live out of the spirit, not live out of our soul, our, our emotions, our intellect, and not live out of our flesh. We've all seen people live out of their flesh. And it kind of like looks cool when people are like being bad, 
like when they're junior high or high school, they're like the cool people. But we quickly see that their body gets decayed and they get living from their flesh on their bodies and in their mind and their emotions later on. We also know people that live out of their intellect. And you can see the same thing. You can say, man, they are so smart. But if you hang around them 20 years later when they're in their 40s and they're in their 50s and they're my age, then you're like, oh my gosh, that intellect has crushed every relationship they've ever had because it's a perverted it's a perverted, perverted leader. Same with your emotions. If you're always following your emotions, you probably don't have any money today. If you're always following your emotions, you're going from relationship to relationship, or at least crisis to crisis. So these are indicators, my, 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 my emotions and my mind and my body, my physical body, what's going on here, are indicators of where I'm not lined up with the spirit that, that is truly me and the spirit of God that I'm following, I'm submitted to. Does that make sense? There's a little bit, there's a little bit of, of inner healing, inner freedom stuff. And, um, and most of us define ourselves today. If I said, are you good or bad, you would decide, what did I do last night? Did I drink too much? Did I do blankety blank, blank, blank? Or what I did this last week or the last month? You would decide, even some of you would decide from 20 years ago, I did that, so therefore I'm still bad. But what we do, we decide. We use our will, which is part of our soul, to decide what I think about myself is actually, is actually more important than what God says I am. God says I'm a favored son. God says I'm, that I had about myself. Therefore, I'm going to honor my feelings. I'm going to honor my intellect more over myself than I will what he even says. And then what I'm really doing is I'm serving myself as my own God. And I'm thinking, well, I'm really humble because I hate myself or because I don't try anything because I don't want to be a hypocrite. And that's really pride because you're making it more about yourself. When we make it about him and we believe him, that's why the declaration we did, the 30-day declaration experiment we did was so powerful because it pokes at that intellectual and that emotional, that soulish thing that we decide how good or bad we are. All right? And so in this idea, we're gonna, I'm going to ignore the physical this morning because the physical is the least of this. So when the Bible says, when we think live your life right, the Bible actually gives us only one way to live our life right once we're a believer. And it's take every thought captive. It's not struggle. It's not take your emotions captive. It's not quit doing drugs, quit sleeping around, quit beating somebody, quit, being, quit doing physically these things. It's, it does have those things in the Bible, but it goes back to here. It's take every thought captive to a spiritual reality. This is really good stuff. I haven't taught this in a while. So it's take every thought, it's take every thought captive to a spirituality because when you take every thought captive, you actually take it out of what little, little thing you can think to this huge, magnificent, always present, always has been, always will be, knows everything being. And then I begin to submit my thoughts to that. And then my emotions line up and my, my body will line up to what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and what I'm doing. So when we focus, if your Christianity is focused on don't do this, then you've already missed the essence of Christianity. If it's don't view this on, 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 on um, porn, or if it's don't drink too much or don't do this, if it's all don't, you've already lost the essence of Christianity. And if you come over here and you think it's only about what I think doctrinally, you've lost the essence of Christianity. There's a spirit that we're to connect to with our soul, and our soul submits unto that. And I tell you what, in golfing, you cannot tell yourself all week, 
I won't make this shot. I won't make this shot. I'm a whole golfer. I've never made this shot before. And go up and stand up and hit that shot. Because your body will do regularly what your mind is telling it to do. So if it says I can't. So when we start saying I'm. We start getting connected to our spirit, spirit to spirit during worship, during meditation, during our Bible study. And we, get, we start looking at the Bible differently. We start connecting to our spirit. Our mind starts going, I disagree. I, th- I think that's wrong. I think I am a horrible person. And we enter into the presence. And in the presence, we're, our eyes are open. And then my mind begins to change. And my emotions begin to change. And my wife and my daughter and my son and my daughter-in-law. My family and you guys get the benefit from that change that's going on inside of me because I'm with him and I'm, I'm valuing this relationship more than I'm valuing the relationship of my mind and my emotions and my will. All right, so healing. We're, we're, we're going to get to scripture. It's a, it's a long scripture. So there's healing in our soul. I'm going to ignore. I'm going to spirit. We've talked about some in the last few weeks. I'm going to ignore the flesh. I'm going to talk about the soul. Healing in our soul comes in four different ways. I'm just going to give you a quick. The first one is a core lie. Every action that you're doing that you can't stop is based on a core lie that you have about yourself. Every action that you're committing that you don't like is based on a core lie. A lie that you believe that if I do this action, I will feel better about about myself. Or if I do this action... I will get something from it that will benefit me. Or I have no hope I have to act this way. And you don't have to act that way. You might for a season as you're getting your soul lined up with the Spirit of God. But you don't have to keep acting that way. The core lies are fundamental beliefs about yourself, about others, about the nature and character of God. Sim um, down at the Renewal Center. And we, we go over those four areas. But those are your four basic lies that you need to, you need to look at. Whenever, whenever, you're, whenever you're hearing scripture, you're going, I, I, don't, I don't believe that. That's not true for me. It's true for everybody I know, but it's not true for me. There, I have no favor. Then you, then you need to choose, I am believing a lie. He's not the liar. Scripture's not the liar. I'm believing a lie. And then you find out, is that lie about me, about God, about others, or about circumstances? The second one is the soul, soul wounds. Soul wounds is where we would throw in all these things about rejection, abandonment, soul ties, judgment, sexism, racism, abuse. All those things would be soul wounds. That somebody has come in and some way, somehow wounded you and hurt you. This is where we place mother wounds, father wounds, wounds from siblings, wounds from the family of origin. Your family of origin has, by the way, damaged you. But the good news of Christianity is you get brought into a new bloodline. The new bloodline isn't just Christians. It's, it's, it's Jesus. Do you like how I say it? It's Jesus. And uh, it, it's Jesus. He's, he's my major sibling. He's the bloodline. It's not like I come in here and I get the best of your DNA or the best of your what you get inherited. In the, it's Jesus. I, I, get in, I tap into his bloodline. So these soul wounds are really hard to see. And, um, and the, the third way is life patterns, being fired or leaving your job. You go from relationship to relationship. You go from drama to drama to drama. You're, you're constantly, you know, the, the pattern of your life shows what you're believing. It shows what you're thinking. It always shows what you're thinking. It always shows what you're thinking. 
When you tell me I am super, I'm super, I'm super poor or I'm super depressed or I'm super angry or I'm addicted to this, then we can go back to that you're thinking something. I mean, it goes back to a life pattern is an indicator of where your soul wounds are, where your core lies are. All right. And we hate to look at life patterns. We hate to look at it because it says you're powerful. You did this to yourself. We like to say somebody else did it to me. And we're in a culture right now where we're blaming everybody for everything that's wrong with us. I feel bad about myself because so. So I feel bad about myself because them. I feel bad about myself because what happened in, in, at this time. And I feel bad about myself because my mom, my dad. But all of that means that I'm a victim and I'm powerless. And as Christians, we are more than conquerors. So we're never powerless. Even if we have no power to do anything, we are always powerful within our soul when it's submitted to his spirit. Which means our flesh actually begins to act out that freedom even in a captive situation. We see it with Joseph. He's, he's a slave who's powerful, who has freedom in himself. He serves as God, and it manifests outside of him at Potiphar's house. And he rises all the way up to the top of Potiphar's. He becomes the top slave. And then, and then Potiphar's wife lies about him, wants to sleep with him, lies about him. He gets thrown in prison. And at the same time, he's in prison. He has a moment, a moment of... Um, of doubt and victim mentality in there. But then he says that, that then he, he gets it and he's free in his soul and he's risen up to the highest position in all of Egypt. And he saves his entire family. He even saves the brothers that sold him into slavery. So, it's an, so we have that ability. We, we are called to be those people. We're called to use our pit stories, our slavery stories to be stories of victory. And um, this third one is a little bit harder for people to, to understand. I'm sorry, the fourth one. So, core lies, soul wounds, life patterns, demonic oppression. Now, demonic oppression, it's, it's funny how we can believe in the Holy Spirit and spiritual things, yet we want to take out all of the demonic activity in Scripture. Um, and, 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 of course, we have four areas. We don't want to focus on all about life pattern, all about soul wounds, all about... So, so but we, if, we, if you take a fourth and you say... Am I believing a core, core lie? Is this based on the soul wound? What is my life pattern telling me? Is there a demonic activity in my mom or my dad's voice that I regularly hear? And whenever I step into a little bit of victory, that man just hammers me and I step back out of it. That, that's, that's, and, and demonic could be a whole bunch of different things. I'm using it as a general term with a small d with no theology behind it basically. But just that it's, it's there. And when, when we decide that we don't want to deal with that, we're leaving out a portion of what we might have to deal with in our life. All right. So, uh, all right. So I'm, if you can turn to Judges 16 verse 4. Krisha's going gonna to read. You have your mic. Can you test her mic? I forgot to test her mic there. Test yes. There we go. Oh, it's loud. <laughs> okay, you ready? Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. 
Samson answered her, If anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied them, tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to the flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, If anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the in the page turn room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. He replied, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I will become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pin. Again she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and pulled, I love you when you won't confide in me. This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become so weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I will go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Awesome. That's more. That's that's a lot of scripture. I didn't know it's like actually three chapters, but I wanted to get the story. So we have that, and the story ends by them capturing him, taking the Philistines, which is uh, historically the the enemy of Israel that was dominating Israel and ruling Israel at the time. They take him, they gouge his eyes out, and they make him basically out. He gets a young man to put him on two pillars, and he he collapses the building on them. So it's a it's a great kid story, by the way. They always leave out that part, but. But um, so I want to talk about our the power that we have and think about that. Samson, Samson was chosen by God to rule for 20 years. It's not just like Samson. He was and he was an idiot pretty early on. And so this is the first the first point is, not, is, is God anoints and empowers those who don't steward well their gifting. God calls and empowers those who don't steward well their gifting. So who are you to say I don't want any gifting. I don't have a gifting. I'm not going to use my gifting when Samson does. I hear all the time, well, I've not been good. I've not done this. I need to know more. I'm telling you, Samson didn't need to know more. He just needed to obey God. Samson just needed to obey God. That's all he needed to do. He didn't need to know more. And a lot of times, 
We give up our power because we've done something stupid or sinful. And often they're the same, right? But don't give up your power. If, 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 if we're not able to walk in forgiveness, then again, we're missing a huge portion of Christianity. We walk in forgiveness. We walk in no condemnation, no shame. Don't think for a moment that God can't use you because of your past. And that might not mean you have, if your past is like a week ago. That might be a little bit different, but you walk into that forgiveness. You walk into that healing portion of your calling and your anointing. I don't care if you got saved last night. The, the, the demoniac, <clears throat> nobody could chain him. He runs up totally crazy and naked. Jesus casts out the demons. He becomes a student that same day. And Jesus sends him on, on, on a mission field. Go back home and tell everybody what you know of me. He's, we're all missionaries. We're all ministers of the gospel. We're all pastors. We might not be doing a very good job of it. And just like you wouldn't want me to embarrass you if I was your pastor. It's the, it's the same for all of we all We all walk in that same thing. It's not about not embarrassing God or embarrassing someone. It's about us being our true self, our real self, who we're really called to be. Not all teaching and preaching or being prophets or being apostles or being, being pastors or anything like that. So... God, in his choosing, chooses to use junk and turn them into jewels. He takes garbage and turns it into gold. He says, as a matter of fact, right while you're doing it already, I'm going to forget what you've done. Yet we never forget. We never forget. We like hold it. Well, I, I got divorced or I did this or I've always been bad at about this or I don't do enough of this or I don't do enough of that or I don't have this or I don't have that or, or I'm going to wait till I get this. And, and God's like, no, you hear him, you obey him, you desire to see the kingdom come. You desire your TV or getting home and watching a game. You dream about it and it becomes to come to pass. Because we're asking him and he promises to give us. God is the best and most original recycler. He wants to take your stories. He wants to take your pain. And he wants to recycle them into something awesome. I mean like really awesome. And um, he, God actually, even after all of this. Now you have to remember. He goes into, right before the story, he goes in to be with a prostitute. Right before the story, also in these years, he, he attacks violently the Philistines, not necessarily on God's command. He also wants to get married. He gets in a fight, so he leaves. He comes back, and that man has given away his bride to somebody else, so he, so he destroys the village type stuff. So he's, he's not like, hey, I'm a great guy, but he leaves for 20 years because God can use us even if we're ridiculously troublemakers. And it's meant to go like David did and progressively where you sin, then you, then you be restored. But Samson himself is restored. And in fact, in Hebrews 11, 32 and 33, he's included in the faith hall of fame. How, how would you like that to be like, these are my favorite ancestors. These are my favorite preachers. There's one that went to a prostitute. There's one that's killed 10,000 men. There's one that was a fighter and a brawler and a drinker. And he, wasn't supposed to, and he, and, and he died a shameful death. But God wasn't ashamed of him. And God brings him into the Hall of Fame, and it says he gained a better resurrection. No right to judge yourself. You have no right to judge yourself. When, when we come to communion time, it says examine yourself. We've taken that to examine ourselves, to judge ourselves, if I'm worthy. But it's really like examine yourself to see if you're under the blood of Jesus, which makes you worthy. So when we have no right to judge ourselves, when we say I'm going to judge myself as bad, not good enough to obey God's call in my life, then what we're saying is, I'll judge myself, I won't listen to you anymore. I'll take the place of you as my judge. And we want him as our judge. We don't want to be our own judge. 
So when we get over that, that judgment of ourselves, we will begin to walk in much more kingdom ways, much more kingdom things. We'll see a lot of different things happen also. The second one is God will use your weakness for his glory. We see it in the, in the previous chapter when uh, Samson wants to marry this woman. And, and, and he marries this woman and God gets glory out of it in all the wrong, messy ways. God is not afraid of your messy story. God is not afraid of your messy story. God's not afraid of your problems. God's not afraid of your sin. He's not ashamed of you. He's not condemning you. He's already judged you and he's decided you're his kid and that he's judged you as righteous. Before you finish your time on earth, he's already judged you as righteous. He's not up there looking, do I write your name when you walk in? He's already decided a decision already for us as we, as we accept him. Now, God doesn't automatically use your weakness for his glory. He can. But what he wants you to do, he wants you to give him your sin. We think we want to give God our, our best stuff. We want to give God our best life. We want to give God gold and silver. He's like, no, you give me your junk and I'll give you back gold and silver. You give me your ashes where you burnt up your life. You burnt up your relationships, your finances, your mental health, your physical health. You give me those ashes and I'm going to give you back a life. I'm going to give you back beauty. And beauty is symmetry. Beauty is connectedness. Beauty is identified what people look at you differently. When we think about that, God uses your weaknesses. And the story is in Judges 14, 3 through 4. But through repentance, not just, oh, God, I'm so sorry, but, but through a different kind of thinking, that repentance is, it comes from the word pense. It's like to think again, to rethink, to reestablish how you think about yourself, to reestablish how you think about what you've done. And that begins to line up and put things in order. You know, I had this thought this morning. I'm going to share it. I hope you get it. But Satan wants to rob you. I want you to hear this. Satan wants to rob you of your sin story. Satan wants to rob you of your sin story. He wants you to be ashamed of your bankruptcy. He wants you to be ashamed of your abortion. He wants to rob you of your sin story. I was like, God, that doesn't make any sense. I was like half asleep this morning. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. But it does when you think about it. When, when we, we have these stories that we should, we should pull them out, get them out of the closet, dust them off, be redeemed, be, feel like I'm, I'm, I, I've shared some of mine. I'm, ama- I'm amazed how I feel and think as a person than when I was 20-something years old. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just so thankful and I'm overwhelmed often about what God's doing in my life. Uh, and, and so when you begin to look back, you begin to reshape because of your time with him and the spirit to spirit as a son, you begin to reshape the abuse. You begin to reshape. You don't deny it. You bring it out and you don't tell your story as the hero. You tell his story as the hero. You don't tell your story of they were all bad, but he was good. And you retake that story out and you bring it out. Don't let Satan steal your sin story. You know, Stevie said something about, um, don't doubt that heaven is open to you this morning. Most of us doubt that heaven is open to us. Most of us doubt that if I, if I lay hands on somebody to cast out a demon, that nothing will happen. If I lay hands on somebody and pray for healing, nothing will happen. If I go into a home and I pronounce peace upon that home, that nothing will happen. And you know what? A lot of times it doesn't. But it will pronounce that on them. He says, I get to go in places and the atmosphere changes. So I believe him, not that I've done it 20 times and it hasn't helped. 
I had a funny experience years ago from a pastor who didn't believe in demons. And, and um, I've never, I don't usually do this at all, but he's like, hey, I'm at this house and I don't believe in demons, but I think there's demons here. It was super funny. And we laugh about it now. And I, I drove there and I walked in. It, it, was a, it was a strange, strange situation. But it does. we don't have to believe all these things, but we can walk into these situations. And our belief increases and we begin to see what the Lord has for us. If you're going to be powerful and, and, and walk in the kingdom things, and I mean powerful in the right and in, in righteous ways and right ways, you've got to get over your weaknesses. Stop focusing on your weaknesses. Stop focusing on what you don't have and focus on what you do have. Stop focusing on what you've, what you've not done or what you have done in negative ways and focus on what God is going to have you do in the future. Begin to walk into that and, and, and be okay with being weak. This last point. She's not bothering me at all if, if she needs to come in here. It doesn't. Okay, okay. They're not. <laughs> She's adorable. So this last point is, is there is always someone after your power. There is always someone after your power. Your ability to be free and to be you. If, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty quiet today, but I'm, can be really, I can show up really loud, believe it or not. Um, and people try to steal my power by saying, oh, man, you're super loud. I used to like, I used to like be quiet. Now I'm like, I know, isn't it awesome? Because it's my power to show up and to be more cheerful in a room, to cheer things up. So what they, you, we, have, we, have, we know this in our soul, that people try to steal our power. Well, you know, the United States is going to hell in a handbasket and blah, blah, blah. And when you stand up, you say, I think America's great. I think so much good is going on. I think of the beginning of a whole new thing that's happening. They want, they want to steal that, that opinion, that power from you, the power of positivity, the power of looking at Scripture and God from a different viewpoint. And we know that in the soulish realm. And people want to steal peace from us too. Well, the economy's so bad. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, we, not, not now, but in 2007, 8, and 9, I mean, it, it, it was bad. People lost their jobs. And they were like, well, so-and-so laid off. I said, yeah, but like, like still like 92% of everybody who wants to work is working. Why focus on the 8%? So we know that, we know that there's a lot, there's a lot of um, uh, someone after your power. But in, in the power of your spirit, the enemy wants to steal that power. We see that with Samson. Think about that. Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. And um, she, she does it to him and he breaks him off and they run away. Does it twice. Same thing. He breaks off, they run away. Third time, braid his hair. They come in, he, he, he gets up, and they're all scared and runs away. They all, they, all, they all want to steal his power. But he wasn't aware of that. In fact, it says she nagged him so much, she wore him down. I always thought it was the physical attraction that wore him down. That she's so beautiful, I love her so much. It wasn't, it was the nagging. There's somebody or something in your life, a spiritual thing, a memory that's nagging you wanting to get your power. Nine, nine, nine at your power. Stealing and robbing your energy. It, it, it could be a belief, but there's someone always after your power. There is someone, and there is also quite possibly 
and a sign, we would call them a familiar spirit, that would, that would be very familiar to what your parents and your grandparents dealt with. could be a way of thinking and stuff like that. But if we're constantly being drained, we're constantly being nagged, opposite of who we were created to be. Samson was in the wrong place with the wrong person, with the wrong group of people. He thought he was strong enough to, to, to withstand the nagging of Delilah, and he wasn't. All he had to do is get up and leave. But the life pattern of not being able to leave, think about that. These Philistines weren't looking for his physical strength, where he, where he, could, where he could rip the doors off the city, take them up the hill, and stand them up on the hill. They were, they were after political power. They were after the, to sustain their own power. They did not want anything else to come in. So people aren't looking to get your strength so they can have it. They're just looking so you can't have it so they appear stronger. And we are called, you and I, at every level. I don't care if it's, if it's a 11-year-old Victoria, a 40, 50, 60, 70-year-old. We're called to walk in our power. And that power comes when our soul, our mind, will, and emotions... Is submitted to the spirit, our spirit, which is submitted to the spirit of God, and we will walk and be more and more powerful than we've ever been. When you think about this, as Samson, you are some spirit's enemy. There's some spirit in in this world that you're supposed to challenge whenever you show up. Did you think about that? There's a spirit. If it's spiritual warfare, you're supposed to show up. And, and what happens is that spirit often becomes, uh, defeats us because we become familiar with it. It's a pattern, but we're actually meant to defeat it. And the spirit usually that we're called to defeat is the one that's assigned to us. That, the, what we're that spirit's enemy. We're actually meant to be its enemy. And so the idea is, is that to, in order to not let the enemy steal our sin story, we have to come out of that and begin to declare hope in that area and to, be, to begin to tell that story for the benefit of other people. So, so that story actually goes somewhere and does something else. And so in the story of Samson, what spirit are you playing around with? What environment are you in that, is, that you look strong, but you're getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Because in the Bible, you don't fall because of one bad moment. You fall because your heart starts going somewhere. Your mind starts going somewhere. Your emotions start going somewhere. David finds himself walking past Bathsheba, probably regularly walking past her. It's these, these, these guys, it's not just a one-off. And so where are you in your life where somebody wants to be, remain in control of you? Where you're allowing something to keep going on. You keep saying, I want breakthrough. I want to see kingdom stuff. But you have a core lie, a core wound. And so go ahead and stand.